<clears throat> well, howdy, gang. Backcountry and Barbells, Jeremy Day, Joe Shamanic, discussing many things. I We just got back from an unbelievable trip to, um, I'm going to say the eastern Pacific Northwest, Jeremy. We'll keep it broad. If folks have to go back, they can probably figure out exactly where, but I think I... I think based off some conversations, I want to move away from actually picking spots and um, and talking about specific spots just because, you know, I think in my early hunting goings on, I'm fixated on the spots too much. And I think you just need to get out and do it, right? So hopefully this, the stories that we talk about will inspire you to just get out into the woods a bit because I think it is just trial and error, right? And I think you just need to stick with it and be persistent. And I think rather than focus on, well, they get animals because they go there, I think more more folks get animals because they're out there. Yeah. All right. So, 100%. Uh, so go back and dig if you want to figure out exactly where we were. It won't be too hard. But we were in the eastern Pacific Northwest. <laughs> let's throw all the <laughs> let's throw all the directions out there um, oh, and had a, ph- had a phenomenal time. And, um, you know, not to not to spill the beans, but I'm I'm still eating tag soup. And I got this question from my wife when I got back. And she's like, well, why the hell do you keep wanting to keep do this? And there's any number of reasons. And it seems like the closer I get, Jeremy, the more I want to do it. And um, uh-huh. I figured over the next few episodes, and as long as we can do it, I wanted to start each episode off with a why. And um, you and I had... You and I had a particularly interesting experience after one near miss, and it kind of sent me into this deep, deep, deep spiral of why. And I feel like, I feel like I've been too fluffy about why I hunt. To be honest, I feel like oh, really, I feel like I've been too fluffy. I feel like I've been trying too hard to like make it this positive thing, and it is. But I also feel like hunting is like this weird dichotomy where there's good and bad that come of it. There's two coins to it. And along with talking about all the good reasons, I'm going to talk about some maybe darker reasons why I like to hunt. And I'm going to start that off with this right now. All right. Let's hear it, brother. So so, so for me, <laughs> hunting actually fuels prejudice. And it fuels it in a really interesting way that's both good and bad. And I think by hunting bringing up some prejudice it makes me want to be a better person by acknowledging them and then fixing them but you know some of them i'm just happy to fuel and um if i have to pick an enemy um i think hunting actually allows me to target in on some and uh one particular enemy that i've been thinking a lot about that hunting actually gives me ammunition to fight are vegan activists who like to say stupid shit like meat is a murder um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, so by being, <laughs> by being a hunter, I feel like I can combat those idiots and I'm okay with doing it. If that's the one group I'm going to be prejudiced against, um, I'll still work to understand them, but I think more than anything for worse, I actually think hunting actually gives me ammunition to hate them more. And it actually gives me ammunition to debate them if they want to do that. Um, so I'll tell you this, um, you vegan activists or antagonists might be a better word. I'm probably not angry. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate all vegans, right? I don't even hate any vegans. But I feel like folks who say shit like meat is murder are, you know, they're not someone that I could probably break bread with. So my no. my response would be, if meat is murder, what's monocropping, you bastard? 
So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so again, I would say that hunting fuels that like, like, like by diving into hunting, I've become more aggressive on that stance. And I don't know if it's necessarily positive, but it's definitely true. It's something I'm trying to work on. Um, so how about you, Jeremy? I mean, like, does, is, is there a prejudice or am I onto something? I mean, uh, or, or just what are your general thoughts about me being honest about, about, about that? I don't know. That's interesting. I've never really got a prejudice from the hunting aspect of doing things, but I can kind of see where you're coming from because, you know, being a non-hunter and then you're in your generation and having to deal with so many people that have said that throughout your life. And now that you're out there hunting and seeing what really is all involved, now you're seeing, you know, there is a different side to the to the coin right now you have to work hard you got to shoot your own meat a lot of these vegans that say they're vegans are still they eat meat have ate meat or whatever so um, there's a very small population that actually has never ate meat in their entire life so yeah i can kind of see where you're coming from cool you don't i mean yeah and you know this meat is murder thing bothers me you know and it's not like hunting's easy you know what i mean (laughs) no you know and then two you know, I, I I'm also of this feeling that no matter how no matter how you cultivate life, there's going to be some form of death in that. And I guess with hunting, while I'm in it, and I think the biggest ammunition I have is that at least it's honest. And I get it; the animal doesn't care what I'm going to do with the meat. The animal's still dead. But like, I would charge anyone to come up with a form of sustenance. That's not doesn't have some form of death attached to it. You know, what I mean, if you look at what well, like monocropping rips, just depletes an area of um, nutrients. Um, you know, even even in small time farming, you know, even if you're going to do small batch farming and not use it with animals, how are you going to? How do you how do you replenish the nutrients anyway? I mean, there has to be some form of decay and death to to kind of replenish the soil. So like, there's this whole cycle of life, and I feel like. I feel like hunting puts you right in it. You know what I mean? I know where the blood on my hands comes from, right? Especially when you're out there butchering an animal. And I know it might not be right, but and also in a weird way, you know, even now, like when I came home from your hunt in Washington, it was so awesome to make fajita tacos with the heart and talk about the haul out. Like even right now, like I'm consuming liver at a, an abundant rate and I tell people about it. Like, so I know the animal doesn't care that I'm honoring it, but... You know, and then I'll say the other thing, you know, you want to talk about murder, you know who murders animals? Other animals, you know, at least I didn't eat your elk butthole first while it was still screaming for its life. So, (laughs) you know, you know, it it, is the cycle of life. It is the cycle (laughs) of everything. And like you're saying, the crops you are pulling up those out of the ground and people get so fixated on the the support by blood aspect of life, right? Because we have this heart and we pump this blood and so do these animals. But like you're saying, the soil has an energy, if you want to call it that, quote unquote, that you neutralize after time if you overcrop. Sure. So. Yeah. And plus we're all speciesist too, I think. No one cares about all the bugs that are get zapped because we're throwing things in there. So uh, I've thought deep about this. So if there's any if there's any vegan act antagonists who'd like to discuss this point further and think you can do so cordially, we can. Um, 
And uh, if you can prove to me why um, monocropping isn't murder um, to to the to the to the grander scheme of things, um, then maybe I'll listen to you about why you think meat is murder. So here we go. Um, and to to fuel the prejudice even more, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> Uh, I also think that, you know, I can work on that and I'm willing to work on it by having that chat. Um, but man, I'll be honest, um, on our, on our recent hunt, it was super positive. It was super fun. I had a blast. We did some amazing things. Um, and we met, we met some great hunters and great people. I thought that was really cool. And although some of them maybe blew out our experience and we'll talk about them on this show, um, I want to start off by getting right into positives and how our hunt started in Eastern Oregon and how we got in there ready to backpack and do a two mile march into, into this wilderness area. But I thought it was super cool within six minutes of pulling up to the trailhead where we were loading up to pack in. We met two awesome hunters in an, yeah. in an all-terrain vehicle who said, we'll take you up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shaved a mile and a half. Off our off our hike, yeah, and and how how many feet did we figure out? Six hundred to eight hundred feet in elevation. Yeah, they took the initial journey off the, um, and then as we found out coming out of the wilderness, that section of the trail was not really maintained very well. So there was a lot of blowdown. We avoided um, going uphill, which was cool. But you know, it was really cool in the area we were at. And here's another thing to kind of to combat this idea of you know, meat is murder and hunting is like this vicious, you know, loner sport where people just, you know, only have bloodlust on their mind and greed. That whole community around there seemed to be thriving on the hunting industry. There were, there were processors, there were gas stations, there, there was a dairy queen that was frequented by, it seemed like you had to wear camo to go to this dairy queen. So like, (laughs) So, you know, there, there is a, there is a positive to it. And, and I would almost say that there is, there is such a, even if you were to put a dollar amount or some kind of like life quotient on the loss of an animal, there's no way you could convince me that there's not a net gain from hunting. Not only are like the harvest rates calculated by the, uh, the amount of land holding that that area can do, but when you turn, talk about dollars, cents, community stories, you you would be hard pressed to move me off the point that hunting is life and it breeds life, not only for the animals based off of you know all the tags and resources put into it. Hell, I if you look at just the tag money I've spent on hunting. And the animals I've not harvested personally, that's a net gain for that for the habitat and the survival of those animals. And and I think that that's only exacerbated. So, um, you know, in that regard, I think hunting actually um, sustains life more than it comes even close to raping and pillaging and murdering the the, the animals that we pursue. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, every time you're unsuccessful, the price per pound goes up. But like you said, it's fueling it's fueling the economies of these certain areas. And it's probably, I don't know that town, it's probably 60 or 70% of its whole economy for the year. Yeah. They, so, they have to look forward to it, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. If it, if it, if that was not there, that town would not be there. Yeah, there was even one we popped into one processor just to get some intel and we were doing our due diligence to make sure if we got a critter down that, you know, hey, can we freeze it here? Can we do this? And you know, she was just talking about how she was packed and how it was a really hard decision for them to do this thing and adverse to not supporting hunters. But the other cool part about that was she didn't say she didn't say don't know what to do. She gave us three or four other processors that could potentially hold our harvest. So, like, it was like this cool deal where she was supporting competitors in that regard by saying, well, we can't help you, but you can go here. So um, even within that, you can see that the strength of that community is that we they want to support everybody by any means necessary, not just by their own, not to fuel their own their own prejudice and their own pocketbooks. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and that was... The, it was unbelievable. Basically, she said they just had too much beef they had to process because they didn't want to have to turn away hunters. Yeah. But just the the beef processing, they were busy until, what did she say, January, February? Something like that. Yeah, I, think, I actually think it might have been pork. I don't know. But they she was they were busy, right? But, but the yeah. cool part is they weren't so busy that they couldn't spend, you know, 15 minutes with us talking about this person's here. They'll do that. Like, they knew about each other. And... You know, and and talk about a form of prejudice, like, you know, everyone's got to do the survival of the fittest thing. But, you know, to to turn business to a competitor is is something that you rarely see. Right. And and you and you see it, you see it with these this in this hunting population, people who really do it, who are really into the sport, whether it's whether it's guys who are going to drive a competitor up to a trailhead where they can get into the same animals. We're all hunting the same animals or you know, a business that's willing to a business that's willing to give a business card of a competitor to another group, I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find that somewhere else. So again, I just think that's more and more to say that, you know, this whole you know, hunting isn't murder, right? It's 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 just something that folks do. It and, and I think it's really important to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I one hundred percent agree. It's, and it's interesting because those same people that say that this is murder or, you know, they could have a business where they're not going to send business anywhere else. Maybe they're going to hoard it all. I mean, it's just, you got to be open-minded. You can't be closed-minded. And the moment you start saying stuff like, uh, hunting is murder. That's a closed-minded comment because you're not really thinking of the whole Sure. Right, you're thinking of just this narrow area that really benefits you and your views or whatever. I mean, it's it's a la- it's pretty laughable, really. Yeah, and it's easy for us on our side of it. We obviously have a perspective, but again, I would just think that it's a super honest it's a super honest way to procure your sustenance, right? And um, you know, as long as we're all going to be honest about it, we can continue to to chat through it. Um, But, um, you know, in the beginning of our hunt, I really had this grand feeling of other hunters that we were encountering because like, it was awesome. They're going to give us, they're going to give us rides. You know, you even, um, you even had a chat with a, um, with some fellows who were in a really cool wall tent set up, um, not too long before that. But to be honest, it, as the week went on, it was really hard for me to not like, resent other hunters who we were with because it did get pretty competitive and there were other folks in the woods and um 
in particular, if you guys go back a couple days, when this when this drops for you guys, it'll be a few days old of a post. But um, you know, it, it I'm really fixated on one day of hunting, Jeremy. And I want to retell this day of hunting <laughs> because to me, I think it was our best opportunity. And it we had an opportunity at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, and we might have had an opportunity for an evening hunt. Um, and in some way, I think our luck in the morning was probably because of high pressure and our lack of luck midday, um, was definitely because of other hunting pressure. So I thought we would maybe, maybe focus on that morning and, uh, get right into it and maybe give folks, I mean, cause it was amazing. And, and I, I think just this single day of hunting that we're going to get into, with this kind of theme of, you know, prejudice or not prejudice and trying to like exercise demons of other hunters in the woods, um, I think will be a fun story. Yeah, absolutely. So you know what day I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Okay. Thursday. <laughs> was it Thursday? <laughs> yeah, it was our day, our last full day. Yeah, let's put a date to it. What what was the date on that Thursday? Oh, that date was the 24th. <laughs> yeah, so I want you guys guys and gals to all maybe think about what you were doing <laughs> on this <laughs> afternoon or day but um it was actually an amazing day um and please don't let my you know i'm gonna be positive about it but uh it was an amazing day and i got to do some amazing things and in fact um if you go back to the post the probably the best footage i got was from the morning of this day and even the afternoon which i didn't post yet but uh so w- what time do we get up i was pushing all week for us to get up at a certain time do you remember what it was <laughs> Yeah, you wanted to get up like at three thirty four, <laughs> get out the door at three AM, hike in the dark for an hour, bump all the elk on the way there. Yeah. Just well, kidding. I did settle on I did settle on let's leave camp before five. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And we ended up doing that and I had you I had you I think by this point convinced that it was a, a good plan. Um but we got to meet at our we got to our kind of like honey hole of a listening spot. Which, um, you know, later yeah. in that week we figured out, uh, we, we called this spot Dragon Ridge. This was our name for it. You won't find Dragon Ridge on the trailhead anywhere in the Pacific Northwest Eastern Division. Um, <laughs> yep. But we got up to Dragon's Tower on uh, Dragon Ridge, and we piped off a couple great locators. And I'll tell you, um, uh, you're calling, uh, having been in the midst of real elk and other folks calling, uh, your calling's up there with some of the best dude. Well, thank you. You know, for three days you were locating them and they were responding. Um, I do think Thursday they got quiet after that. And I do think they, their elk or I'll give them some credit. They caught wind of what you were doing, but for three days and a lot of calling, you were getting real action, man. Yeah, we got a lot of action. The best action I've ever seen. <laughs> well, in particular on in this twenty-five years, yeah, in particular on this morning, um, your first locator call. I mean, there were th- we had choices. We were like, there, where we there. Where do we go? And we decided to, but all of them were on the other side of this uh, creek or creek. We were at the bottom of Dragon Ridge, so we had to jump over the creek, and and we were in hot pursuit. And the crazy part was when we got in onto these like flats. 
as we got closer to where we think they were, it was just crazy how the woods lit up. Like, it was oh. harder to make a choice. There might have been four or five, just like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Where do we go? I mean, have you... I think there was a total of six. <laughs> that were chatting. One, one hunter. Yeah. They came clean later. Yeah, they came we'll clean. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there were actually probably... We know there was one, and then I actually think the wall tent crew was out there too. And they were kind of calling from that sanctuary area. Definitely in the later afternoon they were, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because they're um that because that other guy said the Toyota wasn't there. Uh okay. He didn't see the Yoda. He said his only truck his his was the only truck there. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Well, we got into him and we were in hot pursuit, and that was like the general that was the general move. The, those there were three days of this hunt. Well, first the first three days were kind of like, what are we doing? Where do we go? Let's hope we find them. And we did a little bit. We had interactions, but there were three days of this hunt where every afternoon, every morning, almost every evening, it was like locate, chase, bump, repeat. <laughs> it's it crazy. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, the country's tough. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of openness. Let's say. Well, and this, well, what's funny is too, I almost felt like on our way to the flats where we had like this grocery shopping option of where the heck do we pursue, it was kind of cool for me because I felt like we did dip into Roosevelt country for a moment. Like when we had to go to the bottom of that creek and come up. Oh, yeah. It was steep. It was thick. It was wet. And I, for a moment, I was like, oh my gosh, we come out here to the Eastern Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are in Roosevelt country again. You know what I mean? So that that was pretty cool. But after we after we kind of climbed out of the creek and closed some distance, uh we did the locator thing again and and again the woods erupted. And um we were putting a play on it and and it would seem like these animals were kind of on the move a bit. And yeah. uh a really neat scenario happened where you know, we did set up for a moment but as we were moving around to to put the play on one group of animals, you had caught sight of a herd of cows dropping in to a, a small drainage. Yeah. And that kind of set up the hunt moving forward. How did you catch sight of those cows? Was it just a random thing? I mean, because I don't think you saw them with a, with a bull, right? No, no, no. But the way they were acting, they were acting like they were getting bumped by a bull because they were running down the ridge system. And they were kind of doing that little buck, kick, run jive 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 type thing and it just looked like th and i seen i think i seen three of them <clears throat> and it just looked you know like a bull was bumping them down yeah because there was another bull right above them <laughs> yeah. well and and as that scenario played out we had done a little bit of a setup and we ended up i didn't know this um we had gotten into this uh creek bed where you had saw them go and I went left and kind of was supposed to maybe ambush them. You went high to get a vantage point. And I guess it comes, I never saw this. I saw, and this is the video I posted, I saw one cow trying to run up a hill. And I got a great footage of this beautiful, wide, six by six screaming at her and pushing her back downhill. Um, unbeknownst to me, you were on top of the hill to my right, uh, probably about a hundred yards away. I was 132 yards away from this. And, um, but I guess supposedly there were 12 cows in that one bull in that little drainage. Yeah. And that bull <laughs> was just working those cows back and forth. <clears throat> I watched them the whole stinking time. Yeah. 
I saw I saw them come up, and then I watched them get away. But where I was situated was in that drainage. The lower I seemed to get, the wind was harder to predict. So I was behind this little stump where I was doing my little film action, and you know we had been pretty aggressive up until that point. So, um, you know, the thought was to hang tight a little bit. But we were actually separated a bit. What was I mean from my standpoint at that hunt? It was like okay, I saw where they I saw where the cow wanted to go. I know where we just came from, and I know that there's a sanctuary at the bottom of this creek. So in my mind, I was thinking, man, if we can hold tight, I'll get something out of this, whether I ambush a cow or, or you know, obviously you want to hit the home run and get that big mature bull. But um, from my standpoint, I was like, man, with the swirling wind and this being really rough terrain, the best thing I can do right now is to kind of just sit tight and hope for an ambush opportunity. With with your vantage point up high, what was kind of going through your mind? I mean, because you saw something different. You saw 12 cows. <laughs> and you, yeah. it might have been, it was a different scenario for you. I thought I had a lone, I really thought I had a lone bull and one to two cows. Yeah, so for me, I was just watching them bump them down the drainage. You know, <clears throat> when we seen further, that's why I was like, hey, drop down below in the drainage so that you can get that ambush opportunity. So, I sat here and watched him to my right about a hundred. He was a hundred yards to my right at first. And then he pushed his cows. And then I said, okay, once he gets across this tree, um, there's going to be, I can either sneak up there or kind of get a little aggressive on the call and maybe one or two or two of two things would happen. I was hoping that he would push the cows down the drainage towards you, then wrap back around up to the threat and then it would be a win-win. So yep. I waited until he passed me with all the cows, and I let out a bugle and in hopes that he was going to just push and come. But instead, he went the complete opposite direction <laughs> and went uphill, and it, the gig was up. Yeah, that was it. And that's where even, like, I was trying to explain, like, you know, I kept saying, like, man, we – you got to know the terrain. You got to know the animal. You got to hustle and outwork the other hunters. You got to do this, but you also need a little bit of luck, right? To right, so where they were being decently responsive to our calling, it seemed like at that moment there was a bit of a switch where they just started to get in. Uh, uh, it seemed to me like when the bulls were together screaming at each other, they were not. They were responsive to calling, but the times where we had single bulls with their harem they didn't want to deal with the argument. It seemed like they were happy and they were fine and they were going away from the calls once you had them singled up. We just couldn't get them to, you know, I know a lot of guys make their hay by finding a way to get those big bulls to come to them, but it was my experience with, with, with this with this crop of bulls and maybe this is because we were in some pre-rut action and they were still trying to sort it out and maybe they had decided, I've done enough sorting. I'm happy with, I'm happy with my harem. But yeah, it, was, seemed, it seemed to me at that point in the hunt where they started to get a little... It almost seemed like calling was doing the opposite of what it was doing the first two days we were in that pre-rut fest. Yeah, I would agree. And I think in that pre-rut or, you know, that that section of the rut, the big bulls came down and pushed the satellites out. Yeah. And I think they were sorting things out. I mean, because, what, Tuesday we got to watch them fight, do all sorts of things. And that was – and then all of a sudden that herd – that herd was – three times bigger than we thought it was. But then the next time we saw that herd later that night, it was half that size. Yeah. So they, so they, so they were trying to just work it out and say, Hey, I'm, 
these cows come with me and those cows go with you. Hey, this is how it's going to be. We're going to fight. The ones go with us that go with us. So yeah, no, I think they were just, that's what happened. The big bulls just came down and pushed out the satellites. And then the big bulls were trying to, you know, sort their little deal out and get their cows. They're trying to... The average size seemed about 10 to 12 cows per big bull. And we've seen plenty of big bulls. Yeah, I mean, we saw f- at least four giants. I mean, right. And this one was, this one was a really nice, you know, typical six by six. And... He was beautiful. I mean, and, and he was doing his thing, and um, you know, and he did push up. And um, the crazy part is, we did follow him out of the drainage, and they they covered ground really fast. But because they were on that open flat, we could see where they were going. And um, you know, it took a little bit, but I mean, the, I by my estimation, it was about two miles with a steady uphill. Like it wasn't a brutal uphill, but. You know, we had some cover and we had some spotty moments where we could see him dip in and out. But the crazy part about that was we relocated him up into this little high mountain sanctuary, right? And there we were, we were, we were in, I couldn't believe it again. I was like, oh my gosh, we were in like, at this point, this was like our sixth rut fest. Because again, what was really wild, I think, about this scenario was the herd started to form again. Like our, one bull with his six cows was all of a sudden around three or four other bulls and all their cows. And, um, you know, we sat there for a little bit, but we were in to a lot of animals all of a sudden, a lot more than we were, a lot more than we were. So, you know, in a weird way at this point in the hunt, I'm thinking, oh man, you know, our little mishap or, you know, elk doing elk things and, and throwing the, um, throwing the, um, the uh the audible at us and going uphill not down into their sanctuary might play more of our advantage because there's more animals and they're more aggressive so i was kind of thinking man we can do the calling thing again but uh you know as we'll talk about it was it was just an interesting scenario we were kind of also pinned tight because we there were and that's the other thing i found out you know being into a lot of animals isn't necessarily a good thing because there's eyes everywhere yeah everywhere They've they've got their little spies and everything else. I mean, it, it's you just gotta hold up and wait it out, which we were doing. We had perfect wind. We had everything was perfect. We were in between some rock cropping, so we had an exit strategy. If we needed to loop and yeah, and we it, were set up pretty well. We were set up good with and, and wind was a battle this whole time because there were moments where it would swirl and and get really interesting for us. But in this particular sit, we had good wind. We had good visibility. Bulls were coming in from everywhere. I mean, at one point in the early morning, we had the one bull, the one six by six. But, I mean, when we got up to this high mountain spot, there were the big one. There was another big one. The, this was the Mimnock the Devil. The, I think that's where he came from, The that, that, that white-tipped high fork, crazy wide one. There was a crazy yeah. wide elk. It was the—this guy— it was a 400 class bull easy. I don't know. I don't know anything about classes, but I'll tell you, he was, he had Volkswagen status. He was wider than a Jetta. Uh, <laughs> and, and the other thing was his, his whole tips were white at the top and he had these crazy, crazy big forks at the top of his rack. And, um, it seemed like he did not get along with our six by six. And then it also seemed like as the, um, as that big, you know, Forky Devil and the six by six from downhill. It seemed like as they were like charging up, 
other satellites were coming in, whether they were coming in to, to sneak a look at their cows or they were coming in to watch the show, all of a sudden this this spot got hot and heavy. Oh, yeah, huge. I think we what, <laughs> counted five bulls and then one spike or two spikes. Yeah, and then the the most interesting animal as this rut fest was going on, I kept telling I kept telling you I was like, "Yo, there is a hunter to our right," and I kept hearing a twig pop, kept hearing the twig pop, and I kept hearing this, and I I was like, "Cause so it was kind of making me antsy." I was like, "We got to put a move on it," but you were you know thoughtfully going, "Well, we can't because we're pinned," and luckily we hadn't moved when we did because as we did eventually turn the corner, that whole hillside was probably full of cows and um, oh. You know, we'd have been busted. We'd have been busted real quick, real real hard. Um, and we'll get into exactly how many animals were there in a moment. But um, the most interesting animal we saw was not the hunter we heard. But all of a sudden, as this rut fest is going on, a giant mule deer just runs through it all, like right in the middle. It just <laughs> and it almost looked like he stood up. I mean, and he was huge. It was just like I'm like, why is there? Why was that mule deer bedded down there while all these bulls are running around them, pushing cows, bumping out, pushing bulls? I mean, it was, yeah, that was a trip. But that, that mule deer, that mule deer busting through is kind of a trigger that these elk started moving again. And, you know, between, between what I thought was a hunter making noise and then the mule deer busting through, the elk did end up moving, um, uh, to our left, and you know whatever direction they were facing, they were moving to our left. So we we busted down the rock rock cropping, and things were pretty intense at that point. Because I remember you busting over a really nice visual again with good wind still. Um, I remember, I remember it playing out like this when those elk started moving. After that mule deer ran through, I had my pack off, and you had your pack set, and I was just like, go, go, dude, go do your thing. And you had probably like a two to three hundred yard head start on me, um, but when I got there, your pack was already off, and and I have footage of you creeping up to a really nice vantage spot. And since you were going up, I was going to go low. But then when I took a few steps low, I saw a bunch of animals. I saw more elk than I've ever seen in my life. I'm telling you, it might have been forty cows. Like I could not believe it. I was like, Brr. and then. <laughs> I saw the bull coming up and doing his business, and then I also saw in front of me a bunch of that green loud shit that ruined our first rut fest. So I was just like, okay, so I think my best shot to do here is to circle back and get footage of you doing your thing. Um, how did how did that move play out in your scenario? Because it was pretty hot. There wasn't a lot of time for thought or planning. We just kind of felt it out and went with it. What was going through your mind? Yeah, so... You know, I was just like, <clears throat> I could hear the big bull was, he was at maybe 40 yards away, 50 yards away from me, but that was that rock cliff. And then he was bugling so loud. I mean, it was like when you, a person pulls up next to you with the car and they have that real deep bass. I mean, he was, he was right there. So in my mind, I'm going, okay, I'm going to head up and I'm just going to stand up. Everybody's going to freeze and I'm going to shoot the big bull. <laughs> Okay. That's what was going through my head. So I, I kind of start sneaking up and I see a cow and I said, oh, shoot. So I dropped down and got below the other rock cropping. And then I could see three of the bulls and I can still hear that other bull. And he was right there. And I was, 
I was just sitting there being patient, thought maybe he'll come out because now I had a better vantage point that he could just pop out in front of me any second. And um, I don't know if it was two, three minutes. And all of a sudden the herd was just like went crazy. They just started taking off running and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it was crazy because from my down point, I saw you on your knees because what and you'll see the video. I'll, I don't know if I've, I've sent you all of them, but I don't know if you've come through them as well to see this. But I actually have the video of you running up to your spot. In the video, you can see you working back down to a lower position on your knees, and I'm just behind you. And what I had, what I didn't catch on video, because I thought, like, you know, I was just kind of settling in for you to get into. I was waiting for you to draw. I thought you were, I thought you were grocery shopping, to be honest with you, because I saw your position. I kind of had an idea where they were. And then all of a sudden, from my standpoint, for for no reason, even with good wind, I saw, I saw fifty elk giving me the old butthole f you (laughs) (laughs) i know me too and they were dumping straight down i was like and they were like if anyone's ever seen like a marching band going shoulder to shoulder away from you that's what this looked like like it was and it was literally for like 30 seconds just elk pouring over this ridge and it happened it was long enough for me to be in awe of it and still they were doing it quietly which was amazing to me but um, uh, they they still did it quick enough where I couldn't get it on tape. But it was wild. Plus, I was heartbroken. And like oh, you, you come up, you come walking towards me, and I'm like, "What happened?" And you were like, "I don't know." And then and then about 15 seconds later, we we kind of figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> Dusty Justin. Yeah, well, no, Justy Duster. I don't know if this guy's name Justy is... Justy Duster, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, and I say this because I don't know if his name was... Um, I don't know if his name was uh, Dustin or Justin, but, um, you know, when I saw him at first, I wanted to kick him in the chest. <laughs> you know, well, I was still... I was still floor. I was still flabbergasted. I was still trying to process what just happened because I knew I had good wind. I knew I wasn't seen because I was watching them. They weren't even looking at me. Yeah. I had great concealment, and I didn't see um, Justy Dustin or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see him. You saw him before I did. And then the, what got me was the first words out of his mouth. What were they? They were. Did they win, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then his and then then the next couple of words were then the next word was man i hope i didn't bust your hunt and then <laughs> and then it was guys i gotta be straight with you you know you know some things like that so you know it was heartbreaking you know and we're sitting there talking with this guy yeah. you you talk with him i was i was look i was i went and got my pack i was looking up at the ridge and i was kind of thinking about what these animals had done all day and i'm like i was fixated on let's get high and find these sons of bitches again because they're still around here. But you had spent a moment with them, um, and he wasn't a bad guy. And and I can understand it is public land hunting. This is something. This is an aspect of public land hunting, and that for the first time I really had to come to terms with it. Is that we're yeah. all out there. We're all out there trying to do the same thing. And the thing that actually though does irritate me the most about this scenario is when he says to us, "I just wanted to see him." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah," he goes, "I." I well, because well, first he said, "Did they win? They win? They win, ya? And I was like, "I don't know, man. I don't know what happened. I felt like I had good wind. It could have swirled. I don't know. You know, I wasn't processing the fact that he just walked right where that cow was. Yeah. 
I mean, literally, he was right where that cow was. And so I was still just, I mean, I don't know. I was still kind of processing it all. And then um, I'm getting off topic here. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, some, I don't know. You were on, you, you were, I asked you, I had said what he said to us. And then, um, well, if it comes back to you, let me know. We were, yeah. we're still Dude, trying to, pro- what happened there. we're still trying to process, uh, Justy Duster blowing the hunt up and it happens. And I'm sure, you know, to some degree, I bet we blew up somebody's hunt later there. Uh, but I do know this for a fact, there was a hunt in the evening that we backed out of cause we did eventually come to figure out that there were hunters ahead of us. Um, yeah. you know, I know that for a fact. Um, and, uh, you know, that scenario played itself out actually more than once where it was like, Hey, you know, I don't, I remember you saying, I don't know what's kosher here, but we can't run up their backs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then even to some degree that one evening hunt, I was like, well, let's get higher. And you were like, well, what's the hell the point of that? The wind's shit up high right now. So, like, there were some really hard decisions we had to make um, with with public land in mind, and I don't know what the right ethic is. And to be honest, I don't know if um, I'm, pre- I, you know, talking with talking with uh, Justy, I don't think he blew our hunt up on purpose. Um, but I, I definitely think, you know, he was where I was two nights before, excited to be there, excited to yeah. hear him, thinking that, man, I'm in the midst of all these animals. I should be able to get mine without hurting somebody else's hunt. Because that's where I was that one evening. Like, hey, there's obviously like a shitload of animals. Let's go get them. But it's crazy to think that a small mistake, um, you know, a visual that you don't are aware of or a mistake that, you know, he very well may not have seen that cow. And that cow was probably the lead bitch of the bunch, you know, and as soon as she said, yeah. we're out, they all went, because something triggered them to go right away, right there, and I think we were there long enough, where I'm pretty sure we had good wind, and actually, you know, I, it was hard for me to detach from my wind checker at a certain point in this hunt, it was like my third arm, I was just like, you know, yeah, so it, but, well, and I don't, I know they didn't win this, I mean, and the verification was when we saw them again because they only <laughs> 200 yards. If they wind you, they're not going 200 yards. They're going yeah. miles sometimes. So, yeah, and, and, and that's what I was. I remember now what I was going to say because he came out and he said, did they wind you? And then he went into, I just wanted to see him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, he, he was right there. I just wanted to see him. Hopefully I didn't blow your guys' hunt. Yeah. And yeah, That's what it was. to his point, he was quieter coming in that time where I was further away than he was before because I actually didn't hear him coming in. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, what was crazy is I tried to get over it by making – I wanted to make the best of the scenario. So as you and him were talking, I'm still like, I'm I'm hot. I'm like, So I, I looked at the both of you. I'm like, yo, man, we should go to the top of that peak. We should eat lunch, and we should listen for these damn animals. And I looked right at Justin. I'm like, hey, man, do you want to hunt with us? Like, you know, let's all get one out of this, or let's let's help each other get one. And I, and I, and I invited him to, to come with us because I still thought we had him. Um, and crazy enough is, like you said, we did. Now, Justy didn't take me up on the offer. He had to. He, he said he was going to hunt his way back to the truck. Um, which I wish. I wish he. Yeah, I wish he would have come with us. Me too. Because <laughs> the sight that we saw was even more amazing. Like the day just kept getting more amazing. It, it went from one bugle to one bull, 12 cows, to what we thought was 
you know, four to five bulls and 30 cows. And then we did locate them again. And you go, oh, shit, they're right there. And we ended up taking the high ground. And um, the site that we saw was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in nature in my whole entire life. (laughs) We found... It was pretty amazing. It's a high mountain sanctuary. And there were... There were those six or five to six bulls. There were might have been like fifty cows. I'm not exaggerating. There's one. I'll get the video posted, and if you got good looks, you could. When the light popped, there were just so many elk. They had. It seemed like every elk in the yes. unit had congregated to this area. Yeah, <laughs> it was when we were looking down on it. It looked like ants just everywhere. And I think I cursed us a bit because I'm watching this, and it, well, let me let me. Let me tell you, the, okay, we sat there with our binoculars on for 15, 20 minutes and watched them, and we had this, we had, I had this idea where I'll watch them, you eat lunch, you watch them, and I'll eat lunch, but what ended up happening is we both just watched them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if you can pick out a cool thing that you saw from that herd, but the coolest thing that I saw I didn't locate the big six by six, but I was able to locate that giant forked maniac. And again, this, this was the, I've not, I, you know, I watched the YouTube. I see these guys kill animals that are huge, but I didn't think animals like this existed on public land. Like I would say that the six by six we saw was a typical, really great bull. Like, it would, you know, 300 plus, whatever these classes you talk about are, like, just being ignorant to the measurements. I would say that this was, like, 330, 350, something like that. He was, like, typical big-ass bull that nobody I know would pass up on. Um, but then this guy, the fork, the forked guy, was just, like, a crazy animal. And he had these giant white forks, and they were, again, wider than my torture and conquer. But the coolest thing that I saw him do at one moment in the middle of this high mountain sanctuary, he's calling his ass off, and I wish he would be quiet. But he pins like three cows under a log, and he goes to like servicing them. Like he was prepping them for service. Like you could tell he was ready to do his thing. Um, But he was like, uh, I I told you, I said, it must have been those three cows' birthdays, the way he's handling their backside. So... (laughs) (laughs) but it was so cool to see this wild animal doing elk stuff in this sanctuary where he, they didn't know we were there. They thought they were alone. You know, I felt like I was watching like a Greek tragedy play out in front of me. Like it was crazy. I mean, did you, can you remember anything from that scenario? I mean, what do you remember from that high mountain sanctuary? Well, I remember, I remember hearing the big bull and I could never find him and it was driving me nuts because I saw all the other bulls, but he was just fired up. I mean, he was, he was on point. And then, then you mentioned they're down there by that log. <laughs> and then I finally found him and saw the, pulled my binoculars and watching him. And that, yeah, that was just, it was amazing. But that's, yeah, that's kind of the same thing that you witnessed. I did too. I mean, it was it was all. I mean, of all the things that I got to do at this week out in this wilderness unit, like to really see wild animals be wild, like truly wild. Like they were concerned with, they were concerned with. I think we had got them right at the start of like this pre rut where they were sorting out who they're going to take to the prom, 
And it was amazing to be a part of that. It was amazing to see it in a bunch of different places. And we saw it play out for three days. And um, it was crazy. But, um, but you, you know what I thought was the funniest thing of, a, of it all? And I said that on the first morning. What's that? When those bulls were fighting and everything, I go, look at the cows. Oh, yeah. They don't <laughs> shit. That's right. <laughs> yeah, even, even, when, even when, like, you know, giant Forky was servicing these young ladies. He, they didn't seem to care. They were, they were chumping their cud. You know, they were getting pushed around a little bit. But I was, I was pretty yeah. amazed by that. With all the fighting and the craziness with the bulls, the, the cows had their heads about them. Like they, and the crazy part is they had a scenario for it. And there was one hunt at the end of the final day where. We were both kind of pinned. You ended up putting a stock down, but they 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 seem to really systematically do things. Where I don't know if they're watching each other, or they have a mood for it, or it is just random. But when you have this large group of cows, one will be feeding, one will be looking right, one will be sniffing left, one's playing the wind. You know, like they really know how to. Uh, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if this speaks to what we need to be doing with our military, but I think. You know, based if 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 human women or anything like cow elk, old girls need to be sitting the perimeter, son. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man, it's it's amazing because you can't get away with anything. Nothing, and and as all good things must, we thought we thought we had that set up to ourselves for however long we wanted it, and I. When I do post this video, there's I kind of ruin it for us. I say, man, I wish that big bull would shut the F up because he's going to bring another hunter in. And no doubt did I say that, that within two to three minutes. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I have to assume it was Justy. And I have to assume that this was his first time ever trying to call elk because... Like, I don't really go out and bust locator calls out, especially I'm with you because I don't think there's a point. Like, I'll ask you, hey, can I can I blow one up just to practice and you'll let me do it? Because I, I just don't think my locator or my, my bugles are great yet. But I do think I have a serviceable cow call, like one that will do what it needs to do, especially under good guidance. But this call that I heard is like if, and the only way I could put it to you is like if Donald Duck took up elk hunting, this is what he would do. <laughs> and I was just like, and as soon as I heard it, I went, oh no. Yeah, we both did. It was like slow mo. We're like, no. And actually, I was eating <laughs> and I turned around and I go, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. I said, are they leaving? Yeah. And it was crazy because even in the video, you look at this bowl. And it kind of actually speaks to the terrain we were in. Because when you looked at this bowl, they had this beautiful saddle, what we thought to our right, which was a couple hundred feet below us. They had this really nice flat plain um, that was, again, probably, I don't know how many feet below us it was, a lot. And then they just had this really steep ridge that dropped off into a whole completely another drainage. And, like, I guess our original hope, just looking at the topography, was, hey, they're going to feed through that saddle and go back down. Um, but after this incident, we realized that wasn't going to be the case because, for one, that saddle was really steep. Once we got into that bedding yeah. area, the saddle was super steep, and they just pulled. They, it started with one cow, then two cows, then six cows, and then like we just watched them pour over that ridge. And um, I have to say, you know, there were a lot of heartbreaking moments, but just 
you know, watching them just all walk away was just demoralizing. And then to hear their bugles get further and further away as, you know, the Forky was trying to get his harem together. It was just like, what happened? And at that point, it was just like, man, these guys are call shy. You know, these guys are going away from calls, even in those big groups. It was, that was, that was rough, man. (laughs) That was, and it, I mean, and it wasn't, he didn't sell that call one bit. It it scared the hell out of him. Oh yeah. And I looked at you and I said, "I'm not chasing him. I'm done." <laughs> yeah. And and the, the chase that we would have had to put on would have been really nasty. I mean, um, it was steep down. It was steep up the other way. And you know, we were pretty sure they were heading out towards some private stuff. That plus we had been in that area already. You know, and it was like we knew what it would take to walk out and get back because we would have been even further away from. We had, ro- we had relocated at this point. If we would have chased them, we would have been way far away. And, you know, we had that one late night where we didn't get back till like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. If we had pursued these animals, we'd probably still be out there. <laughs> yeah, because that was the drainage from the, that night where we got back at 10. Yeah. That was the same drainage we dropped down into because we pulled a bull out of the bottom of that sucker. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a pretty amazing day. We got to see some amazing stuff. I mean, and we saw, we heard one elk, saw 13, saw 30, saw 50, killed zero. <laughs> that, was all, that was all by 1130. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was completely crazy. That was actually the earliest day we got back to camp, if, if I remember correctly. Was that, was that, was that the, oh, you know what was also, was that the day that we got back and your tire was flat? No, no, no. That that was Wednesday. Oh. This was Thursday where we put the stock on the big, the huge bull, and the other where the the dragon were. Oh, we that's right. Right after that. See, this is how much elk action we got into, and we're not even we're gonna we'll we'll cut it here. But the day did not end. We we started working downhill and found a great spot, and um, the location game was on again, and it ended with an even another phenomenal hunt that we'll we'll pick up with what we get but we're approaching an hour here but just to kind of like tie up the scenario like you know i started with this you know this thought on being prejudiced against people who don't understand hunting and you know i try to maybe tell these stories so maybe they can understand it um and even to some degree like i guess i can understand i i'm not as angry at justy as i am at some some prick who says meat is murder right because to some degree i can understand why justy did what he did he was just like i was two days before super excited you know and maybe had maybe had he had you know it's kind of like it's kind of like you get jaded you know when your girlfriend breaks up with you at the prom right you just you're a little you're a little bit more of a reluctant lover moving forward right so like you know when you gather up all these missed opportunities you're just like this um you're, you you end up becoming a reluctant hunter to some degree because you're playing out these scenarios, at least in my experience. But I understand where Justy was coming from because he's super excited, right? It's so easy to get excited like that. So so maybe what I end up needing to do to kind of make this conversation come full circle, I wonder if I work a little bit harder to understand why someone might understand. Or I, if I maybe if I need to work a little harder to, to figure out why these folks think hunting is murder or meat is murder. Maybe we can, we can come to terms with it to some degree, but, um, you know, it was wild, man. It was wild. This whole idea, (laughs) 
was the craziest day. That was probably the best day. Yeah, I would say in, in its whole, that was the best day. Yeah. We, we, and you know what's interesting? Out of the whole week, we only got truly winded twice. I mean, given circumstances, how many elk we got into, I mean, out of the eight days, we were in elk six days, and we only got winded twice out of that whole time. Yeah, I would tell you, I almost feel like just the one time. You know, I know for well, sure. Well, there was the spike bull that we called in when we were sleeping. Oh, snap. That's right. Yeah, so two for sure. Um, but yeah, when, <laughs> you do get a sense for when you're winded. That was crazy because it's a ghost town like that. Like, yeah. And that was cool. So so that said, look, 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 gang, over the next few weeks, we're going to be going over in ear misses and trying to, like, explore why I'm hunting. And, you know, for better or worse, I'm going to be honest about it. Um and I'm going to work on it to keep it going. But the one thing for sure is all these near misses, I can't believe how I don't have the heart to tell my wife, but I'm already planning November, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and it's wild, man. And I would say this, like anyone who's on the fence about hunting and if you've been into it, find a way to sort out doing a seven day exploration. Like it's different. When, when you can wake up for seven days with a singular purpose, it's pretty wild. And no matter how good your life is, which is I'm experiencing right now, I'm having a hard time, like, starting again. Like, it was cool to wake up and just hunt. That was it, you know. And everything was about that. And, you know, we had covered, we covered over 100 miles in seven days. We heard, I don't know how many bugles, you know. I'm eating tag soup, but I got to take a shot, you know. Um, I got to do some amazing things. I had some amazing times. I found out you should never eat two mountain houses in one night. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I found out that any town with a Dairy Queen is one that I'm willing to hang out in for a while. Like, so it was amazing. I'm I'm more in it than ever. Um, I had a complete blast. I can't wait to continue to share some of these stories with you guys. And, and this one day really is just a prelude to what's to come because I learned a ton. And I think that... You know, I will kill more animals because of this weekend. Um, and it was just like a, it was like a master's degree in watching these things. You know what I mean? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was too much fun. It was pretty unbelievable. Sweet. Well, that's I'm nice. Still, I'm still speechless over the whole deal. <laughs> I, I'm still comprehending it. I'm still dreaming about that last day on that big bull where what I should have done wrong because that was, I think, in my opinion, my best opportunity all week. Yeah. Well, selfishly, that's why I started it off with this one. One, that video I caught was my best video. And I thought that was probably had it played out. You know, it played out the way it did, but that day was just full of opportunity after opportunity. And for you to say what you just said, I think is pretty crazy. Everything we had just talked about happened between um, 5 in the morning and 11 o'clock in the morning. Like it was an amazing six hours, and then it just and we hunted till seven o'clock at night happily that whole day. Like to and you do yeah. you do the math on that. I mean, we got fourteen hours of hunting in, and legitimately we were hunting for eighty percent, like literally on the hunt with the hope of we're taking a step towards a critter. So, um, you know, we were very fortunate to ca- catch some major rut action. Um, there'll be some cool video and stuff coming down the line, but hopefully this little conversation and this like 
exploration as to why we continue to do it um, is enough to keep you interested in what we're doing. And if you are, uh, you should review the cast. You should tell your buddies about it. You should buy some Ellsworth socks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Which, by the they, way, Jeremy, I wore. I brought three pairs of socks with me. One pair was the heavy winter socks that I wore at night, every night. And then I had a backup pair of socks, and then I had one other pair of socks, all of them Ellsworth. And I, for those hundred miles that we traveled, I wore the same pair of socks. I uh, I put the Randy Newberg game plan into play where when we were in camp, I had my socks off and I had my Crocs on, so I was letting my boots dry. But, you know, when we had opportunities, I took them off and let them dry, but I wore one pair of socks that whole time. I didn't rotate them. I didn't need to. That that backup pair of socks is still in my pack, which it speaks to it, man. We covered some tough ground. We hit some rain. We were in some wet stuff. We were moving hard, and um, they did what they're supposed to do. Yeah, you know what amazes me is when you're walking for four hours straight, you take your shoes off, and the bottom of your socks are dry, and the top of them are damp. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you think they're wet. It's, it's amazing. You can't. I mean, you can't even fathom it until you actually look at it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, they're unbelievable. So it's a good product, and to even speak to it more, um, I did something you're not supposed to do on a hunt. I broke in a new pair of boots on the hunt, you know, and um, I went into that story a little bit with the Washington opener scenario. But the boots that I was leaning on, I just I had to make a switch late in the game just because they weren't they were doing the opposite of keeping my feet dry they were leak they were sponging water but um another product and this is not a sponsor of the show um the danner the danner um pronghorns are a legit boot if you need them in a pinch you know um what i did is i bought them in a pinch and i wore them as much as i could before the hunt but um no blisters not not a blister and that speaks to that speaks to danner and ellsworth um so my feet we're saved. And I'll tell you what, it also speaks to me being pretty tough with my feet. You know, I, I, I do what yeah. I got to, so whatever. Yeah, we had we <laughs> climbed I mean, 2,000 to 3,000 feet a day, and sometimes within a short distance. Yeah, we got after so we it. Yeah. So we pushed it. You guys should push it, too. And if you push it on your feet, um, check out the most advanced sock in the game. Go to ellsworthsocks.com. Use code B and B20, and you can save 20%. Uh, Pete Dahlgren and the gang are, um, they're an amazing family, amazing company. And, um, you know, you should check them out. I don't, I'm slowly getting rid of socks. So, you know, I have my, the hideaways, I have the, the, uh, mid hiker, and then I have three pairs of hunting socks. And I just don't see the need for any more. I just stare at the other ones. There's like, I have nostalgia to some other socks. Cause I have a buddy with a weightlifting company. He's got like socks with like, Bigfoot on them, and my kids gave them to me. I'm really holding on to all those other socks because of nostalgia, not because they work good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you want to get rid of your socks, try Ellsworth. But um, cool, man. Well, Jeremy, I can't wait to continue this conversation. It was an amazing week. Um, I'm into it more than ever. I'm fired up more than ever. Um, I want to kill an elk more than ever. And I can't wait to tell you guys how, when I finally got luck, I missed a shot. So we'll get into that too. So there's a, there's a lot there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a lot to discuss, and and we'll be at it for a few weeks on this, man. And we had a great time, and you should too. So keep us posted, along with reviewing the show and buying Ellsworth socks. We'd love to hear your hunting stories, whether you're whether your name's Dave or or Travis or whatever. 
Uh, we appreciate you guys touching base with us, and we'd like you to be part of our little hunting discussion club. So um, yeah, get on it, folks. And um, hey, Jeremy, until the next one, you make sure you train, hunt, and live your best life possible, Bubba. Will do, my friend. God bless America. Get some, folks. Very cool. Sweet. Sweet.